Guten Morgen. Wie geht's? Thanks for 105 or so. Totally insane. Take the visions on display. New posts. Let's see what he's posting about now before he goes into fucking prison. Come on. Everybody call the Department of Justice 202 514 2000. Please hasten this. Get him behind bars. Another day and more deranged, grifty, weird posts by the Republican cult leader. Donald Trump. I can't even call it a political party anymore. It's just a cult. Here is their cult leader, and he just whines all day, goes on a social media platform and whines. Here he goes. Here's the new disinformation chant from the people destroying our country. It's Trump's fault. And you know, Donald Trump thinks yeah. nothing is his fault. He did everything right. That's his whole Blame malignant, him. narcissistic Blame attitude. Blame him well, for everything. Maybe it is your fault. Maybe you did do a lot of things wrong. Maybe essentially everything you did hurt our nation. Yet you have this cult and you have large media networks and propaganda networks that want to normalize your behavior. But every single thing you did... Our country weaker, um, humiliated us in the eyes of the world, and degraded our national security, and degraded what makes America a truly special place. And you were trying to destroy it. Here's uh, one of the other posts he makes. He goes, these morons in the White House. So he starts talking like that. Like, look, if, if this is why I say this isn't a political party, Okay. You you have to be just a decent human being. I know the media networks, I know they don't want to talk about decency, but okay, in positions of leadership, I want people who are just decent, good people. Like, could you imagine in any work situation, somebody, you know, starting an email or a correspondence saying, hey, you moron. No, you can't get a job anywhere else in America and behave like deranged maniacs, other than in the Republican Party. Here's Donald Trump's post. These morons in the White House who are systematically destroying our country, headed up by the biggest moron of them all, hopeless Joe Biden, have a new disinformation game they are playing. Blame Trump for their grossly incompetent surrender in Afghanistan. I watched this disaster unfold just like everyone else. I saw them take out military first, give $85 billion of military equipment, allowing killing of our soldiers and leave Americans behind. Biden is responsible, no one else. How dare you, by the way. When you read something like this, this is what I mean. Like, how dare you? I mean, you are the person who cut a deal with the Taliban. You're the one who literally signed the surrender document. You released 5,000 Taliban prisoners. You had Mike Pompeo, like, put his arm around the head of the Taliban, you know, basically cheerleading for the Taliban, invited the Taliban to come to the United States of America. That was you who freed 5,000 of the Taliban prisoners, including their entire leadership or all of the prisoners you let free. And you didn't do it on the timeline recommended by the military. You didn't do it in coordination with the existing Afghan government. No, you just did it on your own. Hey, Pompeo, let the Taliban go. And who did that benefit more than anyone? Vladimir Putin, which is not a surprise. And so, yes, 
based on a deal that you cut after you releasing Taliban prisoners, I would say Biden handled the situation about as good as you can and actually brought our troops home. Unlike you, who are a complete and utter coward, you sign the documents, you release the terrorists, and then you go, oops, nothing I can do here, not my fault. The exact opposite of what leadership is, completely and utterly disgusting. He goes on to write, and he talks about polls. Why is Fox News using fake news, CNN polls? Because they are fake, even though I'm leading by a lot, but not nearly as good as other polls. Leading Biden by nine points, leading Social Security, cutting de sanctimonious by 35 points. MAGA! I mean, we, first off, lies. Like, what, what are you talking? Who talks like this? And then, and then he goes, we're getting lots of job requests from people currently working for the Social Security, Medicare cutting. Just watched a sanctimonious campaign. Ron's poll numbers are dropping so fast and furious that many people are speculating he's not even going to run. Just hired kiss of death Jeff Rowe, who dropped young Kim to see if he can help. He will only help make Ron poor. I'm leading in Texas by 42 points, Iowa and New Hampshire by a lot, overall by close to 40, and by 10 against scammer Joe Biden. Again, all this stuff against Biden is completely and utterly false. And I just like how like DeSantis just takes it. Um, Donald Trump goes, the good old USA is losing so much, so fast, that at the end of one and one half years remaining in the most incompetent administration in history, we may not even have a country left. There's an invasion at our border. We're about to lose our dollar as the world standard, and we could, because of stupid people, end up in World War III. The only things they do well is cheating on elections, disinformation campaigns, and weaponizing the justice system, all projections. By the way, everything he says, this whole entire thing is projection. We are a nation in decline, a failing nation. And then here is his post where he is grifting and selling t-shirts of a fake mugshot where he claims he's six foot five, where it says, not guilty, contribute. Um, now is the time to prove just how much stronger we are than ever. Donate to Donald Trump now, because let's face it, folks, it is all a grift. It is all projection. It is all the rantings and ravings of a maniac, a complete and utter uh, malignant narcissist who should not be anywhere near power, should not be anywhere near making decisions about uh, you know, our families and our health and our safety. The fact that the Republicans look at those posts and go, yeah, that's the person who I want to lead us, it's sickening. Should we compare, let's compare that to, that's what Trump's been posting today. What's Joe Biden posting? This is what Joe Biden's saying. While your new double oven is taking care of dinner and dessert, you're remembering how to tie a Windsor. For all of life's moments, get the brand you trust to get the job done at Wayfair. Wayfair, you got just what I need. Today's jobs report show that we continue to face economic challenges from a position of strength, with the economy adding 236,000 jobs last month and the unemployment rate at 3.5%. My economic agenda has powered a historic economic recovery. How about this post? Most Americans want lawmakers to act on common-sense gun safety reforms that will save lives. Instead, Republican officials across America double down on dangerous bills that make our school places of worship and communities less safe. 
our kids continue to pay the price. Or this one. A year ago today, we celebrated the Senate's historic confirmation of Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson, the first black woman to serve as the United States Supreme Court Justice. She has brought uncompromising integrity, a strong moral compass, and courage to the Supreme Court. Let's think about those words. Integrity, moral compass, courage. All of the things that Donald Trump lacks. And all of the things we need, though, in leadership and decency and humanity. Uh, here's another post from uh, Joe Biden talking about our plan to invest in America is working. Here's what it looks like across the country. A record 12.4 million jobs, new jobs, including 800,000 manufacturing jobs since we came to office. That's more jobs created in two years than any president has created in four. Here he talks about trickle-down economics doesn't work. Um, here he goes on to say, and, and here's a video that he posts of himself. And we'll play this video. He goes, I will not let MAGA Republicans undo the progress that we've made. Not under my watch. Here, let's play that video. Seems like our Republican friends want to cede clean energy future to China make us dependent on overseas supply chains, export jobs overseas, and weaken our energy security. The MAGA Republicans in Congress also want to cut the CHIPS, the Science Act, stripping our investments for the next generation of science and technology, from biomanufacturing to quantum computing. Take away, get rid of it. That would mean ceding the future of innovation and technology to China. Well, I've got news for my MAGA Republican friends. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. We're not going to let them undo the progress we've made. And here President Biden is saying Congress passed the assault weapons ban. In the post, play the clip. There's a moral price to pay for inaction. Last year, we came together to pass the most significant gun safety legislation in 30 years. It was bipartisan. We got it done. And don't tell me we can't do more together. So I again call on Congress to pass the assault weapons ban. Pass it. This should not be a partisan issue. It's a common sense issue. We have to act now. And finally, Biden saying we passed the most aggressive economic recovery since President Franklin D. Roosevelt and made the most substantial infrastructure investment since President Eisenhower's interstate highway system. The progress we've made creating strong, sustainable economic growth is real you see the differences there and by the way to me that's the type of difference that matters that's the type of difference that i care about trump capital letters disinformation blah, more this moron that moron you know and just all lies it's it's it is shocking that a modern day republican party follows that guy and has become a cult like it, it, it is it is shocking to me that they've so debased themselves they've so they've de they've destroyed themselves for for, for for a malignant narcissistic cult leader so strange i'm ben micellis from the midas touch network hit subscribe we're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers help us get there Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. Also, uh, wherever you get your audio podcast, search Midas Touch Podcast, 
and uh, subscribe there for free. All right, hit subscribe on this YouTube channel. It is free. Until next time, I'm Ben Micellis. Lock him up. Indictment season is upon us. Celebrate with the new indictment season t-shirt and v-neck exclusively at store.midastouch.com. A house or a laptop? Which one do you think is worth more? Well, definitely not the house, because it not only costs millions to buy, but you also have to pay thousands to maintain it every month. What if I told you that I've made over $80 million all from something called digital real estate on my laptop? And digital real estate costs nearly nothing to start, and it creates real online assets that have the potential to generate income. And I'm surprised, frankly, that nobody else is talking about this right now. If you don't want to... Right. For the most difficult sentences for human beings to speak are, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And so, you know, once you go down this path of having to uh, defend yourself, of having to defend your Trump, it, or defend Trump, it becomes very difficult to pivot six months in, six years in, whatever it is, to suddenly say, my bad. You know, all, the, all those times I was being a you know, complete jerk about this stuff, I was wrong, you were right. And welcome to the Politics Girl podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. Today's pod is a candid conversation with Nick Carmody, psychotherapist, lawyer, and executive board member for the World Mental Health Coalition. Nick is a survivor of not one, but two traumatic brain injuries, which inspired him to go back to school to better understand the brain and how it affects our functioning, personality, and emotional processing. After getting his master's in psychology, he started to look at politics and how politics affects the personality of the country. If there is already political science, he believes we should have political psychology. I'm having him on today to discuss what's going on with the Republican Party from a psychological perspective and how the cult of personality has transformed the party into a tribe who are essentially devoted to Trump and Trumpism, no matter how much damage they do to themselves or to the country. Nick gives us insight into the human instinct behind Trumpism, which we're going to need as we go head to head with this group for the soul of the nation. And for those of you listening... I just want to apologize for my voice. I know I sound like a little but that's because I'm getting over COVID and this is the way it is. It might sound a bit wonky, but the context of the podcast will be incredibly clear. So without further ado, please welcome my guest, psychotherapist, lawyer, and executive board member for the World Mental Health Coalition, Nick Carmody. Welcome, Nick. Thank you, Leah. I appreciate being here. Well, thank you for joining me. I've been following your work for a while. And you have such a unique way of looking at the country from a mental health perspective. As a psychotherapist and as a board member of the World Mental Health Coalition, who I believe their goal is to educate and empower the public and policymakers against dangerous political leadership, you must be having a professional field day with this rise of authoritarianism in America. I just recently joined in June. Um, it's Bandy Lee is the president of that. Uh, Ruth Bendiad is on, is on there. And uh, it was an honor just to be considered to be invited on that, let alone to be brought on. And so uh, and I'm just kind of getting my feet wet with that. But uh, in addition to uh, trying to warn the world or the country about pathology and leadership, uh, one of the goals that we're trying to transition to is basically trying to heal the country. I mean, we've kind of already got that point where, the, you know, the warning is already understood. We see what's going on. Um, it's pretty self-evident. Uh, now, at this point, it's, well, you know, what do we do about it? You know, how, how do we fix this? How do we deal with the, the division, the antagonism, 
um, and uh, you know, hopefully the, uh, try to avoid uh, political violence because as we've seen the last couple of days with the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago, um, the political, the, the, the violent rhetoric has really amped up. Yeah, no, it really has. I mean, the call for civil war is all over the place right now. It's bananas. It's people are just dying to use their guns. So let's talk about the most recent news. You know, the FBI and the Justice Department has a warrant to search Mar-a-Lago and the right is absolutely losing their minds, right? That it's some deep state witch hunt when it's simply just democracy and justice in action. I believe you don't become the first FBI director, the first attorney general, and the first federal judge in our nation's history to grant a search and seizure warrant for the home of a former president unless you've seen rock solid proof, right? So no matter what we hear the Republicans and the right wing pundits saying on television, there is just absolutely no way these people went off half cocked, right? Legal experts are being very clear. There is not a soul, not even the most liberal judge, and in this case it was a Trump-appointed judge, who would sign off on a search of a former private residence of uh, a president without absolutely solid proof that crimes had taken place or were taking place right now. So we have these Trump Republicans in complete denial, some refusing to believe there was an actual search, some thinking it's a witch hunt. The new one is that the FBI is there to plant evidence, right? But it's all about this deep state that's hell-bent on taking their savior down. The GOP judiciary tweeted that if they can do this to a former president, imagine what they can do to you. Dan Bongino was just on Fox News saying that this is some third world bullshit. They're out here talking about Hillary Clinton and Hunter Biden, who they very clearly want to lock up without any proof of a crime. They're threatening Merrick Garland um, with arrest and congressional subpoenas for doing his job. They're attacking the FBI itself as corrupt. They're asking to um, defund the FBI. And yet the head of the FBI is a Trump appointee and clearly not some left wing zealot. The right wing media and the far right GOP are selling this like it is some kind of monstrous overstep when this is literally the perfect example of how justice is supposed to work in a democracy. So the projection here is astounding. But as we start to see the wheels of justice turning, you've been very clear that holding Trump accountable isn't going to change the mind of most of his supporters, even if we see smoking gun evidence. So can you talk me through that psychologically? Let me see if I can back up. I mean, there was a lot there that you mentioned. I think, you know, first and foremost, we're in a really dangerous place uh, as, a, as a country where um, one political party thinks that every election that they lose is fixed and every investigation uh, against somebody in their tribe is a witch hunt or a hoax. And, uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a really dangerous place to be where we can't accept any outcome unless we win and we don't accept any investigation unless it's happening to the other guy. Right. Um, and that's just impossible to, uh, to function and maybe impossible to survive as a country. Um, you know, another part of it, too, and this is something that, you know, that, that just as a society in general is we know very little about this investigation. And unfortunately, you know, everybody rushes to, you know, it's, it's like the Dunning-Kruger effect where everybody rushes. The, more, the less we know about something, the more confident we feel about speaking about something authoritatively. We don't know a damn thing about this, damn. I mean, we can we can speculate that because that, as, as you point, you laid it out. That's how the justice system works. So we can assume that that's happening. Um, but we without even making assumptions. It's incredibly irresponsible and dangerous to, uh, without knowing anything about this investigation, to immediately demagogue and to immediately uh, propagandize 
uh, what's going on with this investigation because, you know, what if Trump, what if, what if there is smoking gun evidence that Trump was handing off classified information to some foreign, foreign adversary? We, we don't know that, you know, and, but, you know, if we're starting from the, the starting point is immediately it's a hoax or it's a witch hunt, um, you know, it's, it's hard to walk that back because two of the most difficult sentences for, the, for human beings to speak are, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And so, you know, what, what ha- you know, what, a lot of what happens with, with Trumpism is that I think initially for, uh, there were a lot of people who didn't vote for Trump, they voted against Hillary, right? And when their vote for Hillary became an indictment of their morality because of Trump's lack of morality, they suddenly became very, you know, motivated to exonerate themselves, to exonerate their morality. And one of the ways to do that was they could exonerate themselves by exonerating Trump. Well, where are you going to find Trump's exoneration? You're going to find it on Bannon. You're going to find it on Rush Limbaugh. You're going to find it on Fox News. You're going to find it on OAN. And so confirmation bias kicks in. In this case, the bias is I'm a good person, right? I didn't vote for a bad guy. I voted for what I thought was a bad woman against Hillary Clinton. And so I, I need to exonerate myself. I need to confirm the bias that I'm a good person. And so I'm going to seek out bias confirming news sources to tell me that I'm a good person. And in order to do that, they're going to be telling me that Trump is either a good guy or he's not a bad guy or he's innocent of all these other things. And so, you know, once you go down this path of having to uh, defend yourself, of having to defend your Trump or defend Trump, it becomes very difficult to pivot six months in, a year in, a year and a half in, two years in, six years in, whatever it is, after you've been standing by this guy every, you know, every step of the way, arguing with your, you know, your, your liberal, um, niece, you know, who's who's in college, or arguing with a, a sibling, or arguing, you know, with your friend, you know, from high school or whatever it is, to suddenly say, "My bad," you know, all the, all those times I was being, a, you know, a complete, you know, jerk about this stuff, I was wrong. You were right. People, you know, people, it's difficult for people to do that. And so, you know, it's the farther you get, you you, you know, the more off ramps that you pass up, the more difficult it is to finally take an off ramp because you know we we are invested with our ego, we are invested with our identity. Um, you know, there's there's uh, research that has shown, fMRI research that has shown that the same areas of the brain that light up when we experience physical pain will also light up when we experience social isolation or exclusion, right? And so what that will show is that, you know, it's, you know there's potentially a pain avoidance type, uh, type of experience that occurs when we find ourselves disagreeing with or, or uh, pushing back against a, a, a group of people, a tribe, uh, that we derive a sense of identity from or a sense of community from, whether that's a church, whether that's our, our family, because families may be, you know, if it's, it's a family down south and everybody's conservative and you're the, you know, maybe you're not even a liberal, maybe you're just uh, uh, never Trump curious, or, you know, it's difficult to now suddenly uh, express that and be ostracized by the family, or be ostracized by your church, or be ostracized by, you know, guys at the gym or, you know, whatever that sense of community or that particular group is, uh, it becomes very difficult. And it, it's much easier to remain um, comfortably wrong than to be uncomfortably right. Uh, if being com- uh, uncomfortably right means that you have to either maybe experience this pain avoidance uh, uh, um, issue that's going on with the brain or being uncomfortably right means that you have to basically be excommunicated from a group, a group that you identify with, have a sense of community and maybe uh, derive your identity from. Right. You don't want to not be able to go to church because you don't agree with people. You don't want to not be able to hang out with your family. You don't want to not be able to go to your workplace if everyone's uh, feeling one way and you're the uh, you're the outsider. No one wants that. Um, but also, you know, these true believers, this behavior, this 
searching of Mar-a-Lago, it kind of further convinces them of what they believe to be true, right? If they think that there's some deep state witch hunt and all of a sudden you have the FBI going into Trump's house um, or you have them prosecuting Trump for crimes, it can kind of convince them that they were right about the deep state to begin with, right? It's almost like their own confirmation bias that watching this happen, the rule of law happening is the proof that the deep state exists and is trying to shut down the guy who wants to break up the deep state, right? It's almost like self-prophesizing. Yeah, it, we're in a, you know, really, because of all the different disinformation and all of the conspiracy theories and the deep state stuff, the QAnon stuff, is that we're in a really weird position where the more we fix the problem, the worse it gets. Right? Yeah. The, more that we, the more that the criminal justice system and the rule of law um, progresses and deals with the problem, right, holds somebody accountable, the worse the problem gets because it's proof, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's proof on its face that the deep state exists because they're trying to take down Trump. And so, you know, it's, it, it's almost an impossible, you know, it's an, almost an impossible situation. And it was something I wrote the other day where we're basically as a country where, when, you know, you're faced with two choices and neither one of them are good. The country may be damaged by not holding Trump accountable to avoid political violence, but at that point, you're undermining the rule of law, or you're going to withhold the rule of law, and you may potentially cause damage to the country because there's going to be political violence. And if the country's going to be damaged either way, then you do the right thing, you uphold the rule of law, and you just deal with the consequences of it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You can't, we can't make these decisions. Um, as somebody cleverer than me said, the role of justice is not to change hearts and minds, but to assign accountability to those who have violated our laws, which is why it's very essential with all the people that have been out here and a lot of left-wing people that have been out here saying, arrest Trump now, just get him, round up all these people, throw them in jail. And you're like, no, it is essential if we want to live in a country with a rule of law, that we follow the law to such an extent that it is every I is dotted, every T is crossed, because you can see right now, I mean, everyone saw Trump cook a bunch of stuff that he shouldn't have taken, a bunch of state secrets to Mar-a-Lago. The FBI has already been to his residence before to collect a bunch of boxes that he shouldn't have taken. This is only the, this is the second time because they believe he held things back, that they, he still had things there. So we all know he has done this one crime. This has nothing to do with 1-6. It has nothing to do with trying to steal the election. It has nothing to do with the coup, nothing to do with tax evasion, nothing to do with shaking people down. This has to do with something we all know he did, which is take state secrets from the White House with him to his private residence when he left. So we have to follow the rule of law step by step by step because there is no other way for us as a country to live under the rule of law. So the people that are calling for Trump to be arrested, calling for this to happen, you have to be very, very careful because you can see right now, even this, which is the least political, all the people that have signed off are Trump appointees for the most part, aside from Merrick Garland, who has not shown himself to be some sort of left-wing zealot, but they're following the rule of law and it's still a witch hunt. It's still wrong. It's still FBI is, is planting evidence. So the, you can't win. So you have to follow the law exactly as it's meant to be, right? I think Jonathan Swift said, he's a, for those of you who don't know, he's a famous literary mind of the 17th century. He said, you cannot reason a person out of a position they did not reason themselves into in the first place, right? So we're not going to be able to convince people 
of one thing if they didn't use reason to get themselves in that position. This story isn't about the deep state. This story is about a former president who was and is a national security risk. You know, we all know he stole classified documents months ago, and I think they moved deliberately and diligently to get to where we were a couple of days ago. And we have to let um, justice play out no matter what comes of it, because that's how we function in a, a society that has laws. Yeah, it's it, when we're facing you know authoritarian aspiring uh, movement, you know it becomes very tempting to fight fire with fire, yes. or to you know hey you know when we're you know when they're going low we're going high and then they're kicking our ass so we need to go low also that type of mentality. But if you know if if your concern is to if your objective is to preserve democracy to preserve the rule of law and then you are um, adopting the opposite, you know, that the rights tactics in order to preserve the rule of law or preserve uh, democracy. Well, by adopting rights tactics, tactics, you're not preserving democracy and rule of law. You're guaranteeing that it's going to, it's going to disappear. Exactly. So you have, to, you have to be really careful on, on process and how you handle all of those things. Uh, the other aspect of that is, you know, this is where, you know, it gets into some stuff I've written about uh, the weaponization of fear. But one of the things that we're seeing, and the right loves to do this, they, you know, they've, uh, they, they, they project a lot, they make a lot of accusations about uh, uh, authoritarian overreach with vaccine mandates. Um, you'll hear, you know, one of the things that we see is that when people are scared, they will basically in, in embrace an authoritarian movement in order to protect themselves and their tribe from the other tribe's authoritarian instincts. And so it basically becomes almost a, an authoritarian arms race or, you know, proliferation of authoritarianism where one side will, you know, it, it just becomes, uh, you know, everybody's trying to one up the other side in order to protect themselves from the other, you know, the perceived authoritarianism of the other side. And what that does is, you know, we're just, you know, you're, you're, you're on, uh, uh, you know, it's like going downhill without breaks towards an authoritarian uh, society. Absolutely. I mean, fear is a huge part of it, right? People are afraid. In many ways, their fear defines them, right? Fear of loss of status, fear of not measuring up, fear of the other, fear of losing a way of life, fear of losing their country. For the past decade, an entire group of people have been exploiting this fear into making a lot of Americans kind of exist in this extreme fight or flight response. And it plays into our politics. I mean, you've pointed out that People have been conditioned to live in a near constant state of hypervigilance, to see enemies everywhere, to see everything as a threat to their survival. And we know that when people are scared, they seek the safety and protection of others, what you call a tribe, right? And the more scared people are, the more they are willing to pay or sacrifice for their tribe's protection. I think you have said that in many cases, people have been willing to compromise their own values, their own morality to stay as part of the tribe. That's what you're talking about. People don't want to be ostracized from their church, from their workplace, from their friends, from their family. Um, what makes people do this? A lot of it is self-preservation, right? A lot of it is, you know, and one of the things we've seen, and I wrote something about this after the, um, it was the Patriot uh, Front Group. They're right. in that U Hall going up to the, um, the Pride Festival, and I wrote something just about um, uh, with uh, the need for purpose uh, and meaning. And one of the things we see a lot on the right is that they like to incorporate uh, children into a lot of the narratives, whether it's it's Pizzagate, whether it's mask mandates, whether it's vaccine mandates, whether it's uh, Disney, the grooming. Um, 
you know, they because if you if you can basically frame the issue as one where you are protecting children, well, then basically anything that follows is justified because you know who who will you know who will um, argue against or you know who will not support. Um, an action or a movement that protects children. And so it becomes an ends justifies the means type of scenario that basically you can justify almost anything, any type of action, um, if, if it falls under the guise of protecting kids. And so, you know, one of the things that we see a lot, um, um, and, I, you know, Trump lost in 2020, Trump lost a lot of support with suburban um, moms, right, with suburban women. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why we see a lot of the narratives circling around children, because that's one of the ways to bring back um, suburban moms and, and women back in for 2024, or 2022, is to make them believe that their kids are under threat, whether it's grooming, whether it's the trans stuff, whether, you know, CRT, whatever. CRT, yeah, CRT is yeah, book banning. And so, you know, that's one of the ways that, you know, that they, um, that they, they, they try to frame this. And there's been research that has shown um, that exposure to chronic stress and the chronic fear literally rewires the brain so that we, when we encounter a subsequent fearful or stressful uh, um, situation, we, re we respond to it uh, with more intensity and for a longer duration. And, that, you know, when you see that happening over and over and over, we start to become irrational um, and almost disproportionately react um, with our, our fear response to, to the threat. And, you know, that becomes... You know, that that be, definitely becomes a problem with, with our politics, because as we're talking about with political violence, when people um, feel threatened, they will either defend themselves ultimately with violence or they will seek out someone who will defend them. And, you know, we've seen this, um, you know, a lot of times people will defend the tribe who will defend them. Right. We've seen pro-life uh, Christians who will defend Republicans and the NRA, even though it, it clearly um goes against their, their pro-life and, and Christian values. However, who, you know, who, who are the people, who are the politicians, who are the tribe that's defending um, religious uh, freedom? Well, it's the Republicans. So you make that trade, that trade off and, you know, you basically, you know, the ends justifies the means. Well, we're, we're not, you know, we, we don't agree with maybe some of the gun laws. We don't agree with the lack of, of, uh, of initiatives being taken to protect kids and school shootings. However, you know, that's, this is the tribe that, that that protects us, so we're going to defend that tribe. Right, but also people are being told to be scared all the time. I mean, if you watch right-wing media, you know, Tucker's out here saying, when they come for you, and they will, this kind of stuff. And Republicans play into it by calling Democrats the enemy, the evil Democrats, you know, the, the pro-life, and I use the term very loosely because they're not, they talk about baby killers, QAnon itself, right, is all into uh, people being pedophiles and monsters and, you know, this kind of thing. So this fear, people are scared because they've been conditioned to be scared, right? And they're they're being told that because it works. Yes, it does work. And, you know, the other thing about, and this goes back to the violence, is that when you can dehumanize your enemy, it makes it much easier to commit atrocities or, or to be inhumane to that person because, right. they, you know, they're evil or you know they're they're pedophiles or whatever it may be um and so that you know that's that's definitely a part of it sure yeah that's why this grooming talk around the lgbtqia plus community or around the trans community is so dangerous because it dehumanizes those communities and paints them out as pedophiles and as groomers which also takes away from real groomers who are out there actually grooming kids 
Well, yeah, you know, one of the things when I, I was on the Lincoln Project podcast, that was one of the things I was talking about with regards to, uh, you know, finding um, purpose and meaning and trying to protect kids is that, you know, we don't see the Patriot Front showing up at NRA headquarters, right, when, when kids are getting shot up at schools. We don't see them showing up at Smith & Wesson's manufacturing plant um, after kids are getting shot up. We didn't see them. There was a recent uh, sex scandal with the Southern uh, Baptist Church. I think it was it might be Russell Moore. He's a, uh, a preacher. I think he's been speaking out against this, uh, against uh, what's been going on with that. We don't see the Patriot Front, uh, you know, uh, um, protesting the, the Southern Baptist Church. We don't see them protesting the Catholic Church with all the stuff that they had going on for years. Uh, so, you know, it tends to be, you know, it tends to be very selective. It tends to be very targeted. Um, but as you said, it's very effective. Well, it's also, you know, you pick and choose when these problems are problems. You know, we are all law and order, all thin blue line, all, you know, back the blue until the FBI raids your savior's house. And then we are defund the FBI law. You know, the law is broken. It only works if it works for them. And I think people have to start seeing that that's an impossible uh, position to live in. Well, it goes back to tribalism. I mean, we defend, we defend our tribe and our people at all costs, and we will def- attack the other tribe and the other people at all costs. The other the other tribe can do no right, um, and our tribe can do no wrong. And you know, it's it's just it's such an absolute um, you know state of mind that we're in with tribalism that it, you know it's it's just not sustainable. Now, a lot of people leading this charge to tribalism, to Trumpism, to authoritarianism, to the hate and fear of the other are what I would call small, scared little boys. Um, men that are basically posturing as alphas, if you believe in the alpha-beta um, concept, which I I think is a destructive way of looking at the world, but if we want to talk about it as an alpha, um, we look at Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham and Tucker Carlson and Nick Fuentes and Ben Shapiro. These are not alphas in the old school sense of the word. These are not men we would look to lead us. These are posturing bullies, kind of squishy little betas who are trying to convince themselves that they are alphas. And they're trying to function in a world of lying bullies like Trump and DeSantis. And as a previous guest of ours, Mark Green, recently said, this slide into extremism is the result of these weak, insecure men trying to outdo each other, right? Doubling down on sexist, racist, anti-Semitic, xenophobic rhetoric and to outman each other. What are your thoughts on that? Educate non-medical in-home caregivers needed. Find a new, fun, and meaningful career path at Instant Care, a non-medical in-home caregiving company that's now offering up to a three. Who I believe their goal is to educate and empower the public and policymakers against dangerous political leadership. You must be having a professional field day with this rise of authoritarianism in America. I just recently joined in June. Um, it's Randy Lee is the president of that. Uh, Ruth Bendiad is on, is on there. And uh, it was an honor just to be considered to be invited on that, let alone to be brought on. And so uh, and I'm just kind of getting my feet wet with that. But uh, in addition to uh, trying to warn the world or the country about pathology and leadership, uh, one of the goals that we're trying to transition to is basically trying to heal the country. I mean, we've kind of already got to that point where, the, you know, the warning is already understood. We see what's going on. Um, it's pretty self-evident. Uh, now, at this point, it's, well, you know, what do we do about it? You know, how, how do we fix this? How do we deal with the, the division, the antagonism, um, and, uh, you know, hopefully the, uh, try to avoid uh, political violence? Because as we've seen the last couple of days with the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago, um, the 
political, the, the, the violent rhetoric has really amped up. Yeah, no, it really has. I mean, the call for civil war is all over the place right now. It's bananas. It's people are just dying to use their guns. So let's talk about the most recent news. You know, the FBI and the Justice Department has a warrant to search Mar-a-Lago, and the right is absolutely losing their minds, right? That it's some deep state witch hunt when it's simply just democracy and justice in action. I believe you don't become the first FBI director, the first attorney general, and the first federal judge in our nation's history to grant a search and seizure warrant for the home of a former president unless you've seen rock-solid proof, right? So no matter what we hear the Republicans and the right-wing pundits saying on television, there is just absolutely no way these people went off half-cocked, right? Legal experts are being very clear. There is not a soul, not even the most liberal judge, and in this case it was a Trump-appointed judge, who would sign off on a search of a former private residence of uh, a president without absolutely solid proof that crimes had taken place or were taking place right now. So we have these Trump Republicans in complete denial, some refusing to believe there was an actual search, some thinking it's a witch hunt. The new one is that the FBI is there to plant evidence, right? But it's all about this deep state that's hell-bent on taking their savior down. The GOP judiciary tweeted that if they can do this to a former president, imagine what they can do to you. Dan Bongino was just on Fox News saying that this is some third world bullshit. They're out here talking about Hillary Clinton and Hunter Biden, who they very clearly want to lock up without any proof of a crime. They're threatening Merrick Garland um, with arrest and congressional subpoenas for doing his job. They're attacking the FBI itself as corrupt. They're asking to um, defund the FBI. And yet the head of the FBI is a Trump appointee, and clearly not some left-wing zealot. The right-wing media and the far-right GOP are selling this like it is some kind of monstrous overstep, when this is literally the perfect example of how justice is supposed to work in a democracy. So the projection here is astounding. But as we start to see the wheels of justice turning, you've been very clear that holding Trump accountable isn't going to change the mind of most of his supporters, even if we see smoking gun evidence. So can you talk me through that psychologically? Let me see if I can back up. I mean, there was a lot there that you mentioned. I think, you know, first and foremost, we're at a really dangerous place uh, as, a, as a country where um, one political party thinks that every election that they lose is fixed and every investigation uh, against somebody in their tribe is a witch hunt or a hoax. And... Uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a really dangerous place to be where we can't accept any outcome unless we win. And we don't accept any investigation unless it's happening to the other guy. Right. Um, and it's just impossible to, uh, to function. It, it may be impossible to survive as a country. Um, you know, another part of it, too, and, th and this is something that, you know, that, that just a, as a society in general is we know very little about this investigation. And unfortunately, you know, everybody rushes to, you know, it's, it's like the Dunning-Kruger effect where everybody rushes. The, the less we know about something, the more confident we feel about speaking about something authoritatively. We don't know a damn thing about this damn. I mean, we can we can speculate that because that, as, as you point, you laid it out. That's how the justice system works. So we can assume that that's happening. Um, but we, without even making assumptions, it, it's incredibly irresponsible and dangerous to, uh, without knowing anything about this investigation, to immediately demagogue and to immediately uh, propagandize uh, what's going on with this investigation. Because, you know, what if Trump, what if, what if there is smoking gun evidence that Trump was handing off classified information to some foreign, foreign adversary? We, 
we don't know that, you know, and, but, you know, if we're starting from the, or the starting point is immediately it's a hoax or it's a witch hunt, um, you know, it's, it's hard to walk that back because two of the most difficult sentences for, the, for human beings to speak are, I was wrong and I'm sorry. And so, you know, what, what ha- you know, what, a lot of what happens with, with Trumpism is that I think initially for, uh, there were a lot of people who didn't vote for Trump, they voted against Hillary, right? And when their vote for Hillary became an indictment of their morality because of Trump's lack of morality, they suddenly became very, you know, motivated to exonerate themselves, to exonerate their morality. And one of the ways to do that was they could exonerate themselves by exonerating Trump. Well, where are you going to find Trump's exoneration? Well, you're going to find it on Bannon. You're going to find it on Rush Limbaugh. You're going to find it on Fox News. You're going to find it on OAN. And so confirmation bias kicks in. In this case, the bias is I'm a good person, right? I didn't vote for a bad guy. I voted for what I thought was a bad woman against Hillary Clinton. And so I, I need to exonerate myself. I need to confirm the bias that I'm a good person. And so I'm going to seek out bias-confirming news sources to tell me that I'm a good person. And in order to do that, they're going to be telling me that Trump is either a good guy or he's not a bad guy or he's innocent of all these other things. And so, you know, once you go down this path of having to uh, defend yourself, of having to defend your Trump it, or defend Trump, it becomes very difficult to pivot six months in, a year in, a year and a half in, two years in, six years in, whatever it is, after you've been standing by this guy every, you know, every step of the way, arguing with your, you know, your, your liberal um, niece, you know, who's, who's in college, or arguing with a, a sibling, or arguing, you know, with your friend, you know, from high school, or whatever it is, to suddenly say, my bad, you know, all, all, all those times I was being, a, you know, a complete, you know, jerk about this stuff, I was wrong, you were right. People, you know, people, it's difficult for people to do that. And so, you know, it's the farther you get, you, you, you know, the more off-ramps that you pass up, the more difficult it is to finally take an off-ramp because, you know, we, we are invested with our ego, we are invested with our identity. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, research that has shown, fMRI research that has shown that the same areas of the brain that light up when we experience physical pain will also light up when we experience social isolation or exclusion. And so what that will show is that, you know, it's, you know, there's potentially a pain avoidance type uh, type of experience that occurs when we find ourselves disagreeing with or or, uh, pushing back against a a group of people, a tribe uh, that we derive a sense of identity from or a sense of community from, whether that's a church, whether that's our our family, because families may be, you know, it's it's a family down south and everybody's conservative and you're the, you know, maybe you're not even a liberal, maybe you're just uh, uh, never Trump curious, you know, it's difficult to now suddenly uh, express that and be ostracized by the family, be ostracized by your church, be ostracized by, you know, guys at the gym or, you know, whatever that sense of community or that particular group is, uh, it becomes very difficult. And it, it's much easier to remain um, comfortably wrong than to be uncomfortably right. Uh, if being com- uh, uncomfortably right means that you have to either maybe experience this pain avoidance uh, uh, um, issue that's going on with the brain or being uncomfortably right means that you have to basically be excommunicated from a group, a group that you identify with, have a sense of community and maybe uh, derive your identity from. Right. You don't want to not be able to go to church because you don't agree with people. You don't want to not be able to hang out with your family. You don't want to not be able to go to your workplace if everyone's uh, feeling one way and you're the uh, you're the outsider. No one wants that. Um, But also, you know, these true believers, this behavior, this searching of Mar-a-Lago, it kind of further convinces them of what they believe to be true. Right. If they think that there's some deep state witch hunt 
and all of a sudden you have the FBI going into Trump's house um, or you have them prosecuting Trump for crimes, it can kind of convince them that they were right about the deep state to begin with, right? It's almost like their own confirmation bias that watching this happen, the rule of law happening is the proof that the deep state exists and is trying to shut down the guy who wants to break up the deep state, right? It's almost like self-prophesizing. Yeah, it, we're in a, you know, really, because of all the disinformation and all of the conspiracy theories and the deep state stuff, the QAnon stuff, is that we're in a really weird position where the more we fix the problem, the worse it gets. Right? Yeah. The, more that we, the more that the criminal justice system and the rule of law um, progresses, and deals with the problem, right? Holds somebody accountable. The worse the problem gets, because it's proof, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's proof on its face that the deep state exists because they're trying to take down Trump. And so, you know, it's it, it's almost an impossible, you know, it's an almost an impossible situation. And it was something I wrote the other day where we're basically as a country where when you, you know you're faced with two choices and neither one of them are good. The country may be damaged by not holding Trump accountable to avoid political violence, but at that point you're undermining the rule of law or you're going to withhold the rule of law and you may potentially cause damage to the country because there's going to be political violence. And if the country's going to be damaged either way, then you do the right thing, you uphold the rule of law and you just deal with the consequences of it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You can't, we can't make these decisions. Um, as somebody cleverer than me said, the role of justice is not to change hearts and minds, but to assign accountability to those who have violated our laws which is why it's very essential with all the people that have been out here and a lot of left-wing people that have been out here saying, arrest Trump now, just get him, round up all these people, throw them in jail. And you're like, no, it is essential if we want to live in a country with a rule of law that we follow the law to such an extent that it is every I is dotted, every T is crossed because you can see right now, I mean, everyone saw Trump took a bunch of stuff that he shouldn't have taken, a bunch of state secrets to Mar-a-Lago. The FBI has already been to his residence before to collect a bunch of boxes that he shouldn't have taken. This is only the, this is the second time because they believe he held things back, that they, he still had things there. So we all know he has done this one crime. This has nothing to do with 1-6. It has nothing to do with trying to steal the election. It has nothing to do with the coup, nothing to do with tax evasion, nothing to do with shaking people down. This has to do with something we all know he did, which is take state secrets from the White House with him to his private residence when he left. So we have to follow the rule of law step by step by step because there is no other way for us as a country to live under the rule of law. So the people that are calling for Trump to be arrested, calling for this to happen, you have to be very, very careful because you can see right now, even this, which is the least political, all the people that have signed off are Trump appointees for the most part, aside from Merrick Garland, who has not shown himself to be some sort of left-wing zealot. But This trick to get gas for a penny is going to get banned in Canada. This ex-programmer got fired from his job at a German car manufacturer after exposing a software bug in the fuel... ...shown himself to be some sort of left-wing zealot, but they're following the rule of law, and it's still a witch hunt. It's still wrong. It's still FBI is, is planting evidence. So the, you can't win. So you have to follow the law exactly as it's meant to be, right? I think Jonathan Swift said, he's a... For those of you who don't know, he's a famous literary Sirs. mind of the 17th century. He said... You cannot reason a person out of a position they did not reason themselves into in the first place, right? So we're not going to be able to convince people 
of one thing if they didn't use reason to get themselves in that position. This story isn't about the deep state. This story is about a former president who was and is a national security risk. You know, we all know he stole classified documents months ago, and I think they moved deliberately and diligently to get to where we were a couple of days ago. And we have to let um, justice play out no matter what comes of it, because that's how we function in a, a society that has laws. Yeah, it's, it, when we're facing an you know, authoritarian aspiring uh, movement, you know, it becomes very tempting to fight fire with fire, yes. or to you know, hey, you know, when we're you know, when they're going low, we're going high, and they're kicking our ass, so we need to go low. Also, that type of mentality. But if you know, if if your concern is to if your objective is to preserve democracy, to preserve the rule of law, and then you are um, adopting the opposite, you know, the, the race tactics in order to preserve the rule of law and preserve uh, democracy. Well, by adopting race tactics, tactics, you're not preserving democracy and rule of law. You're guaranteeing that it's going to it's going to disappear. Exactly. And so you have to, you have to be really careful on, on process and how you handle all of those things. Uh, the other aspect of that is you know. This is where, you know, gets into some stuff I've written about uh, the weaponization of fear. But one of the things that we're seeing, and the right loves to do this, they, you know, they've, uh, they, they, they project a lot, they make a lot of accusations about authoritarian uh, uh, overreach with vaccine mandates. Um, you'll hear, you know, one of the things that we see is that when people are scared, they will basically in, in, in embrace an authoritarian movement in order to protect themselves and their tribe from the other tribe's authoritarian instincts. And so it basically becomes almost a, an authoritarian arms race or, you know, proliferation of authoritarianism where one side will, you know, it, it just becomes, uh, you know, everybody's trying to one up the other side in order to protect themselves from the other, you know, the perceived authoritarianism of the other side. And what that does is, you know, we're just, you know, you're, you're on the, uh, you know, it's like going downhill without breaks towards an authoritarian uh, society. Absolutely. I mean, fear is a huge part of it, right? People are afraid in many ways their fear defines them, right? Fear of loss of status, fear of not measuring up, fear of the other, fear of losing a way of life, fear of losing their country. For the past decade, an entire group of people have been exploiting this fear into making a lot of Americans kind of exist in this extreme fight or flight response. And it plays into our politics. I mean, you pointed out that people have been conditioned to live in a near constant state of hypervigilance, to see enemies everywhere, to see everything as a threat to their survival. And we know that when people are scared, they seek the safety and protection of others, what you call a tribe, right? And the more scared people are, the more they are willing to pay or sacrifice for their tribe's protection. I think you have decided that in many cases, people have been willing to compromise their own values, their own morality to stay as part of the tribe. That's what you're talking about. People don't want to be ostracized from their church, from their workplace, from their friends, from their family. Um, what makes people do this? A lot of it is self-preservation, right? A lot of it is, you know, and one of the things we've seen, and I wrote something about this after the, uh, it was the Patriot uh, Front Group, and that you all going up to the, um, the Pride Festival, and I wrote something just about um, uh, with, uh, the need for purpose uh, and meaning. And one of the things we see a lot on the right is that they like to incorporate uh, children into a lot of the narratives, whether it's, it's Pizza Day, whether it's mask mandates, whether it's vaccine mandates, whether it's uh, Disney, the grooming, um, 
Uh, you know, they, because if you, if you can basically frame the issue as one where you are protecting children, well then basically anything that follows is justified because you know, who, 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 you know, who will um, argue against or you know, who will not support um, an action or a movement that protects children? And so it becomes an ends justifies the means type of scenario, then basically you can justify almost anything, any type of action, um, if, if it falls under the guise of protecting kids. And so, you know, one of the things that we see a lot, uh, um, and I, you know, Trump lost, in 2020, Trump lost a lot of support with suburban um, moms, right, with suburban women. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why we see a lot of the narratives circling around children, because that's one of the ways to bring back um, suburban moms and, and women back into 2024, 2022, is to make them believe that their kids are under threat, whether it's grooming or trans or whatever, and so, you know, that's one of the ways that, you know, that they, um, that they, they, they try to frame this. And there's been research that has shown um, that exposure to chronic stress and the chronic fear literally rewires the brain so that we, when we encounter a subsequent fearful or stressful uh, situation, we, re we respond to it uh, with more intensity and for a longer duration. And, it, you know, when you see that happening over and over and over, we start to become irrational um, and almost disproportionately react um, with our, our fear response to, to the threat. And, you know, that becomes, you know, that, that be definitely becomes a problem with, with our politics because as we're talking about with political violence, when people um, feel threatened, they will either defend themselves ultimately with violence or they will seek out someone who will defend them. And, you know, we've seen this, um, you know, a lot of times people will defend the tribe who will defend them, right? We've seen pro-life uh, Christians who will defend Republicans and the NRA, even though it, it clearly uh, goes against their, their pro-life and, and Christian values. However, who, you know, who, who are the people, who are the politicians, who are the tribe that's defending um, religious uh, freedom? You know, it's Republicans. So you make that trade that trade off, and you, know, you basically, you know, the ends justifies the means. Well, we're, we're not, you know, we, we don't agree with maybe some of the gun laws. We don't agree with the lack of of, uh, of initiatives being taken to protect kids and school shootings. However, you know, that this is the tribe that, that, that protects us, so we're going to defend that tribe. Right, but also people are being told to be scared all the time. I mean, if you watch right-wing media, you know, Tucker's out here saying, when they come for you, and they will, this kind of stuff. And Republicans play into it by calling Democrats the enemy, the evil Democrats. You know, the, the pro-life, and I use the term very loosely because they're not, they talk about baby killers. QAnon itself, right, is all into uh, people being pedophiles and monsters, and, you know, this kind of thing. So this fear, people are scared because they've been conditioned to be scared, right? And they're, they're being told that because it works. Yes, it does work. And, you know, the other thing about, and this goes back to the violence, is that when you can dehumanize your enemy, it makes it much easier to commit atrocities or, or to be inhumane to that person. Because, you know, they're evil or, you know, they're, they're pedophiles or whatever it may be. Um, and so that, you know, that's, that's definitely a part of it, for sure. Yeah, that's why this grooming talk around the LGBTQIA plus community or around the trans community is so dangerous because it dehumanizes those communities and paints them out as pedophiles and as groomers, which also takes away from real groomers who are out there actually grooming kids.
Well, yeah, you know, one of the things when I, I was on the Lincoln Project podcast, that was one of the things I was talking about with regards to, uh, you know, finding um, purpose and meaning and trying to protect kids is that, you know, we don't see the Patriot Front showing up at NRA headquarters, right, when, when kids are getting shot up at school. We don't see them showing up at Smith & Wesson's manufacturing plant um, after kids are getting shot up. We didn't see them. There was a recent uh, sex scandal with the Southern uh, Baptist Church. I think it was it might be Russell Moore. He's a, uh, a preacher. I think he's been speaking out against us, uh, against uh, what's been going on with that. We don't see the Patriot Front, uh, you know, uh, um, protesting the, the Southern Baptist Church. We don't see him protesting the Catholic Church with all the stuff that they had going on for years. Uh, so you know, it tends to be you know, it tends to be very selective. It tends to be very targeted. Um, but as you said, it's very effective. Well, it's also you know you pick and choose when these problems are problems. You know, we are all law and order, all thin blue line, all, you know, back the blue until the FBI 